What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Expected Bets for your weekly NHL gambling podcast presented by the Oddsbreakers. Today, we have a great episode lined up. We'll be touching on the NHL All-Star Game weekend coming up, the skills competition that's going to be happening Friday, the All-Star Game that's going to be happening Sunday, and then breaking down Wednesday's games, which is February 2nd. We also have a great guest on today, Christian of Goatlocks. Christian, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself a bit? Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Uh, my name's Christian. I run Goatlocks. I'm a sports betting slash sports media betting page. And basically, I cover any sport from basketball, college, professional to football, uh, college or professional as well. I do hockey. UFC and uh, MLB. So, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Happy to talk a little puck. Yeah, of course. Great guest. Wanted to get you on for a while. So happy we finally got some time in our schedules to uh, link up and get you on here. I know we were talking about this before the pod, and we'd mentioned kind of the whole grind of sports handicapping of a day-to-day basis of looking through the lines, kind of going through your write-ups. But you had mentioned something, too, that you're particularly good at the marketing aspect of sports gambling that honestly is an underrated part of kind of what we do and then what is also required of a successful handicapper. So do you want to go into a little bit about kind of that, of kind of how you approach marketing or kind of what you're, what you do kind of in terms of that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. And it's something that we were talking about. Basically, it's, you know, anybody can have great picks. Yep. That's obviously the most important thing in this industry. It's what drives the industry. Um, how can you make money? How can you maximize your return on investment? That's huge. But another aspect that comes into that is definitely marketing. That's something that I've focused a lot of time on just from, you know, throughout college and stuff I've picked up through how businesses run. Definitely marketing is huge. It's how you gain a following. That's how you kind of present yourself, present your ideas, and it gives you that creative outlook. So I think marketing is huge um, for anybody that is running their own business or even starting their own handicapping business. I think having a good logo, a clean format, and just a way of uh, presenting your information in your own creative way is huge. It's what diversifies yourself from, you know, competition and just other people in the industry. And I think that's uh, definitely something that I focus on um, in the last couple months, as well as handicapping games, I think it's almost goes hand in hand. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And it, it does kind of add that additional time into your daily routine of going through games, et cetera. But I think that's kind of the area that separates most people from others of drawing a client base, because by all means, can you be successful? And which is obviously the main goal to um, generate return for your clients and yourself, but also to start to expand your business and your personal brand itself of drawing more people in and kind of just having your brand grow besides just kind of besides your basic picks or whatever, like you're talking about. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And, and to allude more to like what we were talking about earlier, um, definitely having like information about what you're sending out as well is huge. Just having the uh, proper write-ups, the information. And when you blend that with, consistent good picks that are winning money and with marketing you got a trifecta that's very hard to beat and i would say uh based on what i've seen based on what you've seen you don't see that a lot in the industry you have a guy that might be good at one out of the three or maybe even two out of three but very rare to find someone that's good at all three so i think that's definitely uh definitely big yeah i couldn't agree more there 
All right. So now that we have a brief background kind of about yourself, we talked a little bit about kind of the marketing aspect of the industry. Let's get into just some brief storylines on the NHL quickly. I know Lundqvist's number was retired in New York in the past few days. Evander Kane signed a one-year deal with the Oilers, uh, scored in his debut. I think the salary is around 750000 with a 625 k signing bonus. Edmonton needs scoring desperately, so despite kind of the off-the-ice issues, I think he's going to help them on the ice. They really don't have any depth scoring. It's new. It's uh, sorry, Dreisaitl and McDavid carrying the team. Nugent Hopkins has looked good recently, but – they need depth scoring desperately for that team if they want to try to make a playoff push. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Edmonton's definitely an interesting story, like you alluded to. Uh, you know, Kane has had a plethora of off-ice uh, yeah. incidents. <laughs> I think it's funny. I, I don't know if funny is the right word to use, but from, from a hockey fan perspective, it is kind of funny that you would add a guy like that to where the Oilers are at right now. I don't know if you've seen any of the interviews with Dreisaitl. He's yeah. just uh, – a lot of the guys, there's there's uh, tension in the air. You can cut it with a knife. It's 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 brutal up there and there. But honestly, I think Kane is a good player. I've always liked the way what he brings to the table. I think he's a great piece to Edmonton. I just think Edmonton they need to go after a goalie. I mean, obviously that's kind of looking ahead. You know, you can only do so many moves in a season, but that's something that they definitely need to focus on is uh, going after a goalie. Yeah, I would love to be able to fly in the wall in that locker room and kind of see the chemistry that those that those guys so-called have in the locker room. Um, don't really know how that locker room interacts or kind of what the friendships are, but certainly one of the teams that you kind of just wonder about and what goes on off the ice with them. Uh, in other news, the All-Star Games happening this weekend. We'll touch on that in a bit. February 4th, the skills competitions taking place. And then on February 5th, the All-Star Game will take place. And then in other news, the Olympics start soon. No NHL players there, so it's mainly going to be a lot of um, world junior players, at least for the U.S. and Canada. Russia mainly comprised the KHL um, and kind of the Switzerland team, Swiss League and so on, Swedish SHL. So definitely some names that you're not going to be familiar with. Uh, looking at the brief odds right now, Russia's a heavy favorite based on kind of their current roster construction and the brief NHL presence that some of those guys had. You look from there, Finland's plus 400, Sweden's plus 450, and then the USA all the way down around plus 1600. So the USA, they're really not given a shot here. Honestly, if this team can somehow manage to snag a medal, even if it's bronze, I'd say it's a pretty successful trip for them given their young roster. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I think the uh, – you pause that real quick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my fault. Yeah, so like I was saying, the USA team really doesn't have much talent on the roster, a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that you'll kind of get to know that should be in the NHL very soon. But all right, let's start – let's move topics a little bit and let's talk about the NHL skills competition. Does that work for you? Yeah, that would be awesome, yeah. All right, so this year, uh, the NHL is introducing two new events, the NHL Fountain Face-Off, which is basically the accuracy shooting, except it's taking place in the middle of the Bellagio Fountains. 
so players will travel by boat to essentially what I'm looking at right now is like a center circle where they have five targets uh, around them. And the, yeah, so they're be required to successfully shoot the pucks into five targets in the least amount of time. Basically the accuracy, accuracy shooting was always a popular event, but, um, and then the other new event too is Las Vegas NHL 21 and 22. So what this is, is it's a full deck of cards, oversized cards where players have to try to get 21 without going bust. So it's basically blackjack in person. They'll shoot a puck at these targets without going bust. It should be pretty interesting. I don't know any thoughts on this new kind of game of hockey mixed with blackjack. I think this is a really good move by the NHL here. I just think, you know, these all-star games, they're meant to have fun. I feel like so many times in, in not even just hockey, but a lot of professional sports is they take away a lot of things. They make rules, just they kind of make the games less fun. And at the end of the day, you know, these sports, they, they are games. So I think it's great to, you know, kind of involve the Vegas atmosphere and kind of just make it exciting. And I honestly think this is a great move. Uh, I could see viewership going up tremendously. Just, you know, just kind of checking out what these events are all about. Kind of reminds me back of, uh, the, you know, the Pro Bowl does it with the NFL. They used to do a lot of fun uh, throw, uh, yeah. like throw distance yep. competitions, stuff like yep. that. And uh, they, they've kind of, uh, ex, you know, they've evolved from that. But at the end of the day, it's fun to see new and exciting uh, takes on these, these classic uh, all-star games. So it should be really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, Vegas has been a huge hit for the NHL in terms of expansion teams. The attendance is through the roof. It's um, almost now probably a must-go-to uh, road trip if your team, if you're not a Vegas fan, besides just the Vegas atmosphere itself. Um, so I think it's a great move for them. DraftKings is also sponsoring it. So unfortunately, right now, there's no current odds on any of the events taking place. But I'm sure by Saturday or even Friday, they'll have them out. Because, honestly, the entries uh, aren't out as well. The NHL is a little behind on that. So I'll try to release something soon uh, once the entries are posted and the odds are given for kind of my picks for each article, for each event going there. Running down the rest of the list, you have the NHL save streak, the hardest shot, the breakaway challenge, uh, and then the fastest skater. Interestingly enough, there's going to be – no repeat champions in any of those events. Uh, Barzal won the fastest skater in 2020. He's not in the all-star game this year. Uh, Jacob Salvin won the accuracy shooting in 2020. He's not in the all-star game this year. Shea Weber won the hardest shot in 2020. He's out for the year, so he didn't make the all-star game. And then Jordan Bennington won the save streak in 2020, and he did not make the all-star game either. So we're going to see a ton of new champ, ton of new guys kind of putting on their skill, their skills on display, sorry, in this event. So it should be fun. We have a ton of new guys that are also first time all-stars. So I'm looking forward to this and it's going to be definitely some of these guys that you really don't know are household names um, that should try to make a name for themselves here in this event. Yeah, definitely. Like you were saying, I think it's fun and exciting to see new players and new events. It kind of, you know, it might might shine a spotlight on guys that you haven't really been seeing. And especially in an all-star format kind of skills competition, um, you know, it doesn't have the pressure of like an NHL regular season game. You're not yeah. fighting for points. You're just kind of showing off your skills and 
having fun with it. And I think this is great for hockey fans and even just sports fans in general that are, you know, tuning in to watch hockey for the first time is uh, you really get to see these players, uh, you know, show their abilities. And I'm really excited to see uh, who comes out on top for each event. Yeah. So the NHL won't have to compete with really any viewership here. The NFL is not taking place um, this weekend as they're on break week for the Super Bowl, which will take place next week. So the NHL should have the spotlight this week, which is nice um, as they desperately need it. They're mar- speaking of marketing. They're terrible at marketing and trying to grow the game itself. So let's get into the all-star game. Then. So the all-star game is the same format that they've used since 2016. It's just, so what it will be is each division is broken down into teams to three on three format there'll be two preliminary games the teams haven't um the two preliminary games opponents haven't been announced yet but it's atlantic pacific central and metro so they'll each face off against each other and then the winner of that game will go on to the championship since adding this million dollar winner take all bonus it's certainly heated up uh especially in the championship kind of the last few years definitely see some guys going all out in a all-star game which is nice to see yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm just looking at the rosters right now. Um, I don't yeah. have any lines out at the moment, but my no. favorite I'm, – I'm a biased guy. Yep. Being from Boston, I love the Atlantic division. I, I think they, on paper, they look amazing, especially with Vasilevsky and Net. Uh, Jack Campbell, he's been playing great for Toronto. Uh, you can't really beat a team of Bergeron, Stamkos, even Jonathan Huberdeau, who's leading the league in points. Uh, and and not to mention Austin Matthews on that roster as well. Um, I, I like the Atlantic Division here. I don't know what your thoughts are, but that that would probably be my uh, that would be my bet for the uh, for the winner. Yeah. So funny enough, looking back at 2016, the Atlantic Division and the Central have never won the All Star Game once they started the three on three competition. The Metro has won twice, and the Pacific has won three. So I know we talked about this before, but the odds aren't out. If I had to give a pick out right now, I mean, the Atlantic certainly looks incredible on paper, but if I had to give a pick out right now, I'm definitely looking at, I want to say, so I like, I like the central division a lot. I think they're balanced. Uh, Keller, Kyrou, McKinnon, Pavelski, McCarr, great Kyle Connor. I mean, the roster is solid. The only concern there is Saros played well all year, but the drop off their backup Cam Talbot is massive. So, and you look at the other goalies in this competition, I don't really like them at all. But if I had to give a pick, I'm think I'm going to go with the Pacific of Drysidel, Everly, Goudreau, Kempe, McDavid, Meyer, Stone, and Terry, and then Petra Angelo on D. They got Gibson and Demko in that. I, that team just seems to me they had the speed, they had the scoring, and they also have kind of the shutdown defense. And Stone was a great two-way forward. Petrangelo can move the puck well on terms of D. So my pick's going to be the Pacific for the All-Star game. Yeah, I definitely like that pick a lot. It's it's really hard to see a roster that has Dry Saddle, McDavid, and Goudreau and be like, okay, that team's not going to win. Because <laughs> that that's probably the top three out of the top five most skilled players in all the league not saying they're the three of the best but obviously dry and mcdavid fit that bill um but goudreau has a lot of skill especially when he was in college too i mean that's johnny hockey for you yeah, exactly john bc boy john yeah bc exactly and john gibson i mean i i've always seen john gibson and he's never really impressed me 
but I will say he is a very good goaltender. He, he's never been in a favorable situation just with Anaheim the last couple of years. They've been, you know, they've been rebuilding pretty much ever since they won their cup uh, in the early 2000s. But I mean, John Gibson, he, he really is. Uh, he, he could take that team to the yeah, chip. He's having a great year too. And Demko wasn't great last year for Vancouver. He's kind of seemed to turn around and be their main guy that they rely on this year uh, under Boudreaux, who took over somewhat recently, I'd say. Vancouver is also going through a lot of GM changes at the moment. So that's another organization that I'd certainly look at in the future as one to target, uh, maybe not next year, but in the next few years for a future bet. All right. So now that we've got the all-star games underway, kind of recapped a bit, let's get into Wednesday's games. I will start with Edmonton uh, traveling to Washington. So Washington's coming off. Uh, we come out for back-to-back. They play Pittsburgh tonight, Tuesday. Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, they're, what, 24-12-9 on the year, 12-7-5 and five at home. Edmonton's 22-16-3 overall, 10-8-3 on the road. Edmonton's certainly had their ups and downs this season. Uh, they're 4-4-2 in the last 10, struggling for a while earlier in January on a massive losing streak. Then they turned it around, rattling off four wins before dropping to Ottawa in an overtime game, 3-2 to two on Monday. Washington, on the other hand, I don't think they've rattled off back-to-back wins in a while from what I'm looking at. So we'll see what they do tonight versus Pittsburgh. They're underdogs there. The lines currently Washington's favored. They're minus 140. Edmonton's plus 120. The over-under is set at six. Slightly juiced the over here. I don't know if you had any prelim thoughts in this game or kind of what your thoughts were, whether in relation to kind of the money line or the over-under here. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, just looking at it from, you know, a day before, um, obviously, this game is playing tomorrow night. I personally like the over. Yeah. Uh, on paper, this is an over kind of game, especially the Capitals. They're playing the Penguins, who have been – they've been very very good this season, especially after Crosby came back. So having the Capitals then come home the next night and play the Oilers, you know, that's a lot of offensive talent for two games in a row. I think it's going to be an over kind of game. I can see the defensemen being tired. I mean, Capitals, you know, they're going to score goals. Ovechkin's going to score goals. I like the over. I like it at six. I would play it over six and a half, but if it's at six, I would definitely play it at over six. Yeah, it's a good point you brought up. I definitely can see this line moving to six and a half. I get kind of the recent struggles Washington's had up front, but they are just loaded with talent. And they're one of those teams that could just explode for four to five goals any night. Um, so they're de- it's definitely tough trying to predict what this team's going to do, especially – coming off a back-to-back. So on back-to-backs, they're 3-2-1 and on the year. Split the over-under, 3-3. and I mean, this is a tough game, too. You look at both these teams, you really don't know what to make of it. For me, it's kind of a stay-away game. But like you said, too, with this game moving to, I believe it's going to move to 6.5, kind of based on the early line movement. The overs at 6 definitely seems like a good play here. Looks like Koskinen's going to start in net for Edmonton, who we talked touched on this before, but he's struggled on the year. He's got a minus 7.9 goal saved above expected. And then Vanacek's going to start tonight versus Pittsburgh. So Samsonov will likely get the start for Washington. He's got a minus 3.4 GSAX on the year. Both goalies are struggling. I get the offenses are struggling, but 
both these teams' defenses are at well. So I think the over at six is probably a smart play here and definitely one that I'm going to look to target as it kind of moves closer to tonight and uh, puck drop. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll have a little more information overnight and uh, obviously based on how these games play out. But I, I think just one of those games that you see on paper and uh, it's definitely very possible for both teams to just, uh, you know, they could even score six on on their own. So, yeah, yeah it should be should be a good matchup, should be a fun one to watch regardless. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see how that one plays out. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll move on to Seattle traveling to New York. So Seattle, this is their last game of a four game road trip. Uh, the, so actually both teams here will be coming off back-to-backs, which is something you rarely see, but I guess kind of given the weird year of all the COVID protocols and postponements we've had in the NHL, it's not to be expected, and I'm sure it won't be the last game. So Seattle enters this game 14-26-4 on the year, 5-12-2 away, currently sitting in the bottom of the Pacific Division. The Islanders are 15-16-6 on the year with a home record of eight, nine, and three. Seattle's currently at plus 140. New York's at minus 160 with the over-under being set at five and a half. You don't see a lot of five and a halves being set in the NHL kind of as of late. Even now we've seen some totals go up to seven uh, before puck drop, which is just insane. Uh, I think there was one last night in Columbus, but it's, it's a weird game, too. Both these offenses have really struggled uh, as of late. Seattle's only averaging two goals in their last 10. Uh, New York's averaging 2.7 goals for in their last 10. Any kind of thoughts here? Yeah, so honestly, based on when I ever watch an Islanders game, if I'm ever tracking it, I Islanders usually, to me, scream under. They're yep. just one of those teams I usually feel comfortable taking the under. Um, looking forward or looking ahead rather to tomorrow's game. I think when you have an Islanders situation, I mean, not just an Islander, both teams, you know, they just played the night before. Now they're going to be playing Wednesday. I usually lean towards the home team there. I mean, especially because the Islanders have two games at home in a row. Uh, you know, they're going to leave the stadium, get some nice rest and then uh, be ready to go for the next day. Well, <clears throat> when it goes to the Kraken side, in Boston, which isn't too far from New York, oh, yeah. then you also have to you also have to uh, you know count that they you know they need to travel the flight. They might get to their hotel late. Now they're playing the Islanders the next day. I lean the Islanders here. I mean, it's not the prettiest game on the board by any means, but um, you know, I lean towards the Islanders. Especially, I'm going to be one of these guys. I'll, I'll go out there and say it. You know, these expansion teams we saw with Vegas, they played really well their first year. They made it to the Stanley Cup. That's great. I just, you know, that's like very rare for that. Yeah. And I think people aren't, people don't necessarily grasp how much of a anonymous, uh, rather, an anomaly that was, excuse me. So I think just looking at the crack and going to uh, New York here, I just, I don't think they're going to get it done. I like the Islanders. Um, I don't know if I would take the puck line. If the money line is cheap enough, I would take that. Uh, I like the under as well. I just think it's going to be a low-scoring game, like a 3-1 kind of game. So uh, that, that would be my thoughts on that one. Yeah, I lean both those ways as well. The Islanders on the money line at minus 160. I'll lay the juice there. Kraken can always uh, come back later, steal one steal one here, especially leaning towards the under. It, I don't expect it's a low-scoring game, 3-1, so I'm not trying to sit there and sweat out a late goal for the Islanders uh, if it is a 2-1 game. 
In terms of back-to-back stats, Seattle's one and six on the year when they play back-to-back games. The Islanders are just two, four, and one. So neither team's really great uh, playing on no days rest, but the Islanders are a better team and they're much better at home specifically. Um, so I, I do lean both those picks. And yeah, like you said, it's it's not a great game. It really is. If if I had to bet this game, those would be my picks. But honestly, it's probably going to be one of those games where I truly stay away from, especially given the, that we don't really know the results of tonight in either of those matchups as the Islanders face Ottawa at home and the Kraken uh, travel to Boston and take on the Bruins. So, yeah, I think that kind of sums it up for that game. It's kind of one of those games where if you had to bet it, you do. But if not, it's one of those just stay away games and try to look at other games on the board. Yeah, no, I think you summarized that up pretty well. Um, you know, I, I really don't have much to add to, <clears throat> to add to that. Yeah, it's just like one of those games that, you know, if you're a hockey fan, you love it. If you're someone betting on it, you know, you, you might stay away from it. So, yeah. I agree completely. All right, we'll go to the third game of the night, the Los Angeles Kings traveling to Detroit. Again, not a pretty game. I mean, the, the Kings have been better as of late. Honestly, shocked most of the NHL this season. They're 23-16-7 and seven, uh, on the year. They're 10-6-5 on the road, currently sitting in the last playoff spot in the Pacific in third. Detroit's 20, 20, and six on the year. And at home, they're much better, 14, eight, and three. This is a tough game, too, because you really look at Detroit, then they look like a completely different team at home, where the Kings are kind of just an overall just better team that seem to be more balanced completely. Detroit's uh, opened around 130, plus 130 on the money line, have now shifted to around plus 125. The Kings are at minus 145 in this game. So the Kings are a road favorite here. Total set at six. I mean, it's a tough game here when you look at this because you want to bank on Detroit at home here. I usually kind of will only look at Detroit in certain spots at home. At 130, at 125, I I can imagine that line's going to drop even further. I bet Detroit's going to probably go around off, go off at maybe plus 115, plus 120 on the money line. So if you're going to take Detroit, I'd take them now as soon as you can. The line's only going to shift. Hey, yeah, any any kind of thoughts on this? Or Yeah, so I think, like, you, you brought up a good point. I mean, it, it's always nice to take, uh, you know, home teams, especially, you know, if they're a home dog, whatever it is, you know, especially in hockey where the environment is so – dependent on the fans similar to basketball I mean you could even say the thing, same thing about any other sport but I think yep. hockey really does play a huge factor um we saw in the uh in the bubble when they you know not having fans it really does impact the way the games are played I think this is a great matchup of kind of past versus the present or you could even say the future I mean Red Wings are heavily dependent on their rookies um they have Raymond Sider and then obviously Nettle Jovic in net Going against, I'm assuming, uh, have, the, have the goalies been announced for tomorrow's? Yeah, it tomorrow's looks like matchup? the Djelkovic is going to get the start for Detroit, and then Quick's going to go for the Kings. Those are the early predictions here. Okay, yeah, so exactly. That plays right into what I was trying to say is, like, you know, you got, obviously, Jonathan Quick. He's been doing it for forever. I think it's a good matchup. I mean, it's it's really who you think has the advantage. It's Are you leaning to the guys that have been around the league for a while, or are you going with the Young Bucks? And I think – if I had to say, I'm, I'm going to take the Red Wings here. I, I, I like them here. I think at home, I think they get it done. I think this is a perfect spot for them to uh, to snag a win. 
Yeah, interestingly enough, so Red Wings averaged 2.7 goals uh, for overall, but they averaged 3.08 at home. And they're also giving up less at home as well. Kings struggled a bit away uh, with slightly worse goals for average and pretty much the same goals against. It, it, it's a tough game. It really is. Um, I mean, in the last 10, you look at them, Detroit, Kings have been much better than Detroit has, but Detroit's a scrappy team at home here. So honestly, at plus 125, I think there's some value on that of trying to take a home favorite here in a game before they get a break. Yeah, definitely. I think you summarized that pretty well. Like I said, I, I like Red Wings here. I think I think they can uh, snag a win, and I, I look forward to seeing seeing how the rookies perform. I haven't been watching a lot of the Red Wings this season. Just uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a Bruins guy, so I usually keep to them or other exciting teams in the league. Last couple seasons, Red Wings have been rebuilding. So, uh, you know, usually they've been kind of a fade team for me. I usually don't watch them to root for them. So I think this would be kind of exciting to root for them. Yeah, this is also a great spot for Detroit here. The Kings are on their last game of a six-game road trip here. So that just kind of emphasizes my point even more of, I think Detroit here at Plus Money has some value to it. All right, Definitely. so let's get into, I guess, one of the better games of the night, Minnesota at Chicago. This is kind of a tale of two stories. Minnesota is just red hot as of late, 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. They're 27-10-3 and three on the season. 13-7-2 on the road, currently sitting at third place in the Central Division. You got the Blackhawks, who've just kind of been a mess this year. They're 16-22-7 overall, with the home record of 8-10-3, currently sitting seventh to the Central. Surprisingly enough, the line has actually moved towards Chicago. Chicago opened up around plus 145, and the line's now around plus 130. Minnesota sits at minus 145 on the money line. Total set at six and a half, juice to the under. When you look at this teams, I mean, it's completely different. In Minnesota's last 10, they're averaging 4.3 goals, four, only giving up 2.7. In Chicago's last 10, they're giving up 2.9, or they're giving up 3.1 and only scoring 2.9 goals, four. It makes me a little bit hesitant to take Minnesota here, I guess given the line movement, the early line movement. Um, right. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It's kind of shocking, honestly. Yeah, I, you know, kind of see it from, like, the betting perspective and just not even, like, I wouldn't even say, like, the degenerate perspective, but, like, there are a group of people that like to take uh, home dogs. Like, that's just, you know, there are yeah, people so, out there. Yeah, there, it's a system for some people, I, I guess yeah. you could say, yeah. Exactly. That that's a really great point you brought up. That's their system. It doesn't matter if it looks like a good play or not. Um, in this particular spot, I just can't. I, I'm not a I'm not a Blackhawks fan to be honest. I just I, I would go Minnesota. Depending even with the line movement, I would go Minnesota. They're the better team on paper. They're the better team physically, like in any way you look at it. And personally, I mean, if Flurry is in net, um, I just. You know, he's, yeah, he's been awful on the year. Flurry, he's been at awful. Minus 9.6 GSAX compared to Talbot, who's expected to start for Minnesota, who's got a 0.0. I don't, I don't understand the line movement in this game. I really don't. But it, it does kind of put some pause into your head here. It definitely does. And honestly, that's exactly what the books want. They want you to hesitate. I'm still going wild here. Like I said, I think people are just kind of, you know, 
I think they're kind of bumping up the other side a little bit too much. I just will never put my money on Flurry again after what he did last uh, last playoffs against the Canadians. I, I'm holding the grudge. I know you can't hold the grudge in this industry, <laughs> yeah. but I'm holding a grudge. I cannot put money on Flurry. I just I love him. He's a great goalie. You know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day, but right now I just – I will not be putting my money anywhere near him. So I'm going wild for tomorrow night as a lean. Uh, like you said, you know, the line movement is a little sketch, so that's why, you know, if you are going to put money on it, it's uh, it would definitely not be a big play, but more of a lean, uh, small unit kind of kind of thing. So that – I would definitely go wild here in that situation. Yeah, it's tough too. I mean, Minnesota's – I guess you could say in the middle of a three-game road trip because – they're getting a break after this game. Um, technically, it's a four game because their next game on Tuesday, February 8th, is away at Winnipeg. But, yeah, I mean, the total also here is a little fishy at six and a half, too. I mean, Minnesota can score. They have a great defense, and Chicago really can't score, and their defense isn't that great. So I guess you're looking at Minnesota to provide the majority of the goals here. But, yeah, I mean, Chicago's last home win was January 15th, so it's not even you can really argue that they've been that much better at home on the year. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on here. This is a tough game, too, Just but I do lean Minnesota here, and if this line is going to keep dropping, I'd say wait closer to puck drop. Obviously, you can't predict it, but at minus 150 right now, minus 145, I honestly would take it right now, even if it does move a little bit more, because I, I just don't. I think it's it's probably going to go back up to around minus one seventy five once everyone starts to bet it. But yeah. I, I completely agree with that. I think if you're going to take it, take it right now. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think it's definitely at the best value that you'll get it right now. And whether or not you think it's sketch or not, I mean, when in doubt, if you think it's a sketch play, you don't have to bet it. But ultimately, um, if I had to put my money on it, I would I would definitely say wild uh, come away with this one. I mean, it should be a no brainer kind of pick, but. With the line, it, it makes you definitely have to uh, double think about it. Uh, yeah. Definitely think about it a little more. So definitely an interesting game. I'm excited to see how that one plays out. Yeah, in terms of player props, too, I know I'm not, I haven't usually given out a lot of these, but you look at uh, Kaprizov, who's got 20 points in his last 11 games, and then even Zuccarello, who's got 17 in his last 11. Kevin Fiala's got 14 in his last 11. Minnesota's got depth scoring. They're – they're a great team. I mean, they really are. And they're definitely a team you're going to kind of want to look at come playoff time. If Talbot can kind of pick up his play a little bit and their defense can kind of step it up. They're definitely a dark horse to make a run in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the team that they've built over the last couple of years, I don't follow Minnesota hockey enough. I just know that the Western Conference usually has a lot of talent. And I feel like Minnesota often, more often than not, they kind of get swept in the middle of the pack. And it's really, I mean, especially no offense to anyone from Minnesota, but Minnesota sports in general, I feel like they aren't necessarily a big market. They don't get a lot of attention. So I think you bring up a great point. I think this team is really, really well put together. I think they play well. I think they're one of the better teams in the league. I think they really have a good shot at winning the cup this season. And it really depends on can Talbot step up in big moments. I don't know if he can. I think he can. I think they have enough talent around him. And that will just be a very, in, really interesting point to see, uh, you know, going on past the all-star break. Yeah. So Minnesota is currently in third in the central, like I mentioned before, but they have five games in hand on Nashville, who's currently one point ahead of them. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you look at the standings right now and kind of moving forward, Minnesota should be able to grab the two spot in the central and pretty much is Colorado's division to lose there. Colorado's going to win that division. There's no kind of like doubts about it. Colorado should win that division handedly. And it's pretty much Nashville, Minnesota, and St. Louis competing for the other two remaining playoff spots. And I'm sure the other one will grab a wild card, but it's one of the weaker divisions. When you look at it, I guess, dropping off Dallas, Winnipeg, Chicago, Arizona. So it's not really talented, but Minnesota definitely is one of those sneaky teams because they do have the physical presence as well. And the playoffs that is something that you need to consider. Yeah, definitely. Especially if they have a home game. I know Minnesotans, they, I mean, they love hockey. I mean, it's usually, I don't know any data behind the weather, but I know it gets pretty freaking cold up there. So uh, they, they definitely love their hockey. They definitely have a good home atmosphere. I think if they can, uh, you know, clinch a better seed, they definitely have a really good shot. And yeah. it obviously is uh, nice to be able to play the Coyotes a couple times a season because uh, I won't even go into them, but everyone knows they're, they've been a bit of a, Bit of a garbage fire the last couple of seasons. So yeah. it is always nice to have those in your divisions. Um, it definitely helps out for uh, playoff seating and it, especially making the playoffs. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of Arizona, let's get into the last game of the night. Calgary is traveling to Arizona. And then what will be the last game before the break? The Flames are 21, 13, and six on the year, 14, nine, and two away. Arizona's 10, 29, and 4 on the season with a 5, 15, and 1 home record. Arizona's currently on a five-game losing streak. They currently sit at plus 235 on the money line. Calgary's around minus 300. The over-under is set at 6. Slightly juiced to the under here. This is going to be one of those games that, you know, you see cappers give out that they just throw in Calgary money line. This is, it's, it's really, it's a tough game to play. You don't want to, the puck line, Calgary's only around minus 115. So I guess that would be the only angle I could really see of trying to find value if you're going to bet on Calgary. But this is going to be one of those games where guys give out a three-team parlay and throw Calgary money line in. Yeah, I, I think you summed that up pretty well. I, I would like to see uh, – at the moment, I haven't been able to pull up any data on the game, but I would definitely like to see, like, the breakdown, the handle percentage, bet percentage. I think this game could be a huge liability for books. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I just alluded to the fact that I don't think the Coyotes are a good run franchise. They, they've been garbage fire. I just think their ownership's terrible. But enough with that, looking just based on this game. Obviously, I think anybody in their right mind would say take the Flames here other than those people that, you know, like a home dog. I, I respect it. But I, I personally do not think the Flames have any chance of losing this game. That being said, just having that initial thought, I would stay away from this one. I think it's a huge book liability. You don't see that so much in uh, hockey as you do in the NFL where, you know, if the public is on heavily on one side, uh, usually you fade that. Hockey's not exactly like that, at least from what I've seen. But um with that being said, I would not uh, just go ahead and blindly put the Flames in the parlay. I think they do win, but just be cautious that that could be a huge liability to books. And at the end of the day, they always say there's a reason why the lights are always on in Vegas. Uh, you know, it's very hard to beat Vegas, and uh, they they know which games uh, you know people are uh, taking. So I would definitely keep an eye out for that one. It should be, uh, you know, like I said, it should be a Flames five one kind of game. But you know, anything can happen. It's uh, pro sports. Yeah, this is. I mean. It's a tough spot, too, because both teams are playing tonight, which is Tuesday, and then they play again 
tomorrow. So Arizona's two and seven coming off back-to-back games and Calgary's three, two, and one. So Calgary is historically better, at least this season in back-to-backs. But again, they're it's so Arizona's at Colorado tonight. They'll be traveling home. And then Calgary's at Dallas tonight. They'll be traveling to Arizona. So both teams do have some travel involved here. You look at the goalie matchup. Uh, looks like Fuldar will get the start for Calgary, who has a minus one GSAX on the year as Markstrom starting tonight. And then Scott Wedgwood starting tonight, which is Tuesday. So Vegmil- Vegmilka. Veg Milka? Yeah, I think I'm saying that right. I always mispronounce that guy's name. Um, yeah, it's very tough. I don't blame you on yeah, that one. Yeah, Veg Milka will get the start for Arizona tonight. He's got a minus 5.6. He That that guy haunts me in my dreams because I bet at Toronto, I believe, and he had like something crazy like 56 saves or something like that where he stole a win uh, at home versus Toronto. So that's a guy who's definitely kind of on my shit list, I'd say. But – Hundred percent, but I mean that's classic Toronto for you right there. Yeah, it, it really is. A t- they outshot him like it was something crazy, and he just stole one for him. So, yeah, I mean this is a stay away game for me. Seems like a trap all around. Obviously, if you want to take a heavy favorite, look at Calgary. But this is just a game that I'm not going to touch. It there's too many variables in this game. I mean, even in the last ten. Uh, Calgary's four and six, but in their last six, they're four and two. So they are hot right now, but yeah, it's, it's just a stay away game. It's one of those games where you can turn on at night. I guess if you really want to bet it, go ahead, but I don't have any play in here. And I, I honestly wouldn't recommend touching this game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And honestly, just from like, obviously I know early in the season, you know, if anything can happen, I mean, any time in the season, anything can happen, but I've noticed more often than not, Flames have let me down. They'll be leading 1-0 all game, maybe 2-1 all game, and then just blow a couple third-period goals. And they're ha- they're to me, they're content with just taking the points and going to overtime and losing losing a shootout, whatever it is. They don't, they don't care necessarily enough for me to think that, okay, they, they, they warrant a minus 300. I know they're way more talented than the Coyotes, but personally, I just, you know, they don't have that it factor to me. Uh, they play good hockey in streaks, but – you very know, streaky that they team, should, yes. Yeah, yeah, very streaky, yeah. And I think at times they should win. They don't often. And I just think, you know, right here in this situation, you know, I mean, this slate, you know, there, there are some good matchups, but I think betting-wise, there are, you know, obviously we'll have more information overnight. But I definitely think it is a little bit tougher to uh, really just hammer down, oh, this is, you know, a great pick for tomorrow. So, yeah, I mean, I would stick away from the Flames. I just think they've let me down too many times when they shouldn't. Should they get the win though? Yeah, I mean it's expected. They, you know, they're minus three hundred. They definitely should pull it out. So yeah, I'd probably avoid it. Worst case scenario, definitely go small on it. Yeah, something to be aware of too. Depending on how, kind of how Tuesday night's games go, if most of the favorites do cover, do like the NHL does have those weird nights every once in a while where you'll see guys just get absolutely killed if they play most favorites. So if the favorites do come in tonight, definitely watch out for tomorrow's slate as it is a tricky matchups. A lot of tricky matchups. We're just looking at all five games that the underdogs could cover tomorrow. And there's a lot of home dogs that are live tomorrow, especially Detroit. Um, looking at that. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. You definitely have to just keep an eye on it and uh, be caught up to date. Um, I mean, for people that think that's not worth it, I mean, you know, if you, if you can actually 
if you can actually cap these games, I mean, that's you, you're just increasing your chances of uh, getting a good ROI. And it's all about that return on investment. So definitely keep track of tonight's games, see how they do, because they will in some way or another play a factor into tomorrow's game. So definitely uh, I'll be keeping track. I'll be checking scores, kind of seeing uh, who got involved, how the goalies do that sort of thing. And uh, that'll definitely help me with my analysis for uh, tomorrow's night's games. Yeah, 100 percent, too. A lot of these teams are coming off back to back. So goalies is something that you kind of will get to see who's going to get the start early. Uh, they usually won't play a goalie back to back. So you will have that information early, which is nice, unlike other nights. But, yeah, I want to thank you again for coming on. This has been awesome talking some NHL with you related to the skills comp, the all-star game, and then kind of breaking down Wednesday's slate. So you want to just plug your socials one more time, like kind of where everyone can find you? Yeah, no, definitely. Like I said, I, I really appreciate you for asking me to come on. It's definitely, definitely cool to talk a little puck, be on a podcast. You know, that's always fun. It's always great hearing my own voice as well. So <laughs> love that. But yeah, basically, uh, I'm on Instagram at Goatlocks. Uh, pretty much I post sports content. Uh, I do a VIP pick service as well. I like to do giveaways as well. I like to build a good community. Um, I will be on, I am on Twitter. I will be uh, doing more of that later in the year. And I will be, uh, also creating a website and uh, hopefully like a discord chat or something as well. So yeah, I'll be around. Uh, you guys can follow me at Goatlocks on Instagram, just spelled out how, how it sounds. So yeah, like I said, I really appreciate uh, you letting me be on this and it was, it was great talking some hockey. Of course. Yeah, no, I'm happy you got to, we got to find some time to do this and yeah, that's been another episode Definitely. of expected bets for for Wednesday, February 2nd slate. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Gator Sports Betting and on Twitter at Gator Betting. All right. Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you next week.